Welcome to Filmboard. Action. The world of film entrepreneurs reimagined. This is the future of cinema. Build and elevate your production business as we take you behind the scenes with successful filmmakers and industry leaders. If you truly love cinema, then you can't help but make a good movie. Learn from inspiring stories. You just have to want it so desperately that you can go without food. Business strategies. Be aggressive. Don't be polite. Be the filmmaker you've always dreamed of. I don't want you to dream. I want you to do. This is Film Board. All right, welcome Blake Porter, founder of Fathom Media, a video production company based in Salt Lake City. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to learn more about your story and how you started Fathom Media. So my first question to start this room is, uh, you know, what got you into film production? So film production was actually kind of a journey for me. I, uh, I started as a designer, believe it or not, um, before I ever got into film production. I started on as an intern with a, a company um, when I was probably 20 years old. And I uh, slowly was um, integrating myself into the media department that I was in. And I could not help myself but just start picking up everything I could while I was there. And uh, there's photographers, videographers, and motion designers, and other graphic designers, and it was just kind of a big homogenous team. And so I slowly started picking up a camera, started with photos, and then started, you know, grinding my teeth on the videography side of things. And 10 years later, here I am, you know, and uh, culminated all that experience into starting the Fathom. And uh, it's been very exciting so far, and I've been enjoying myself. And uh, yeah, so it's just a start started from design and uh, I just worked into a natural progression over to uh, the, um, doing film. That's great to hear. What company were you interning at and what were you doing as a designer? So I, I, I working at Sear England. Uh, it's a tr actually a trucking company, believe it or not. It's that it's uh, one of the largest uh, um, refrigerated trucking companies in the nation. And so when I got on, um, it was definitely a whirlwind of experience diving deep into um, doing marketing and doing uh, a lot of training stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Sierra England, I'm actually um, here with Sierra England still as Fathom is taking off. And so I run the media department here and uh, I've been here for, yeah, close to a decade now. I see. I see. So, you know, starting from the beginning when you were in high school or college, what did you want to be in the future? What was your goals back then? So going into college, um, I wanted to be in marketing. So I started with a business marketing degree and I failed pretty much 80% of my classes for oh, two man. semesters. <laughs> I butchered them all. <laughs> it was so bad. And what ended up happening is I, I, got, on, I got put on academic probation <laughs> so I stopped going to school I'm like okay I'm not ready for college yet and so um, I, I actually dropped out of school I was going to uh, UVU at the time Utah Valley University mm -hmm. and I went and got a job doing chemical production uh, and basically I, I mixed uh, carpet cleaning chemicals right and in the midst of that being absolutely miserable I'm like I gotta find something I like doing and I got, I downloaded uh, 
the avert like CS6 of Photoshop. Uh huh. And I just started plucking away, and I you know did a few tutorials and uh, got kind of acquainted with the program. I ended up meeting uh, uh, someone named Anthony Lagoon, who's actually over Underbelly Creative here in Salt Lake City. Fantastic mm-hmm. company. And he was kind of the first person that little, kind of mentored me along the design path and uh, uh, was kind of the guy. And I, I actually mentioned this to him. I'm like, you're the one that taught me to have thick skin because he would tear my designs apart. Oh, man. And not in a malicious way, but he'd be like, this problem and this problem and this problem and this problem. And so, and uh, really through that experience and then just being obsessed with design, I started teaching myself and eventually I landed my job here at Sear England with no schooling and only a YouTube resume. So, <laughs> wow, wow, that's awesome. So, what so that's made how you it all started? What made you decide to take the jump to Fathom Media from the trucking company? So, I've been doing freelance for years now, um, just on my own. You know, you know, word gets around that you can do design and everything. Started doing that, and then as my video, uh, my video, my videography and editing skills progressed. Um, I started getting asked to do some videos. And so I did a few weddings, you know, I did uh, uh, a few like Facebook, like like commercials that are basically that were just shared on um, social media. Mm-hmm. And it just grew. Um, a good buddy of mine, Spencer Welling, um, uh, who's on Instagram, you could go follow him. If you just look up Spencer Welling, he's an amazing um, astrophotographer. And I started going and learning some photography from him. And now I feel like, you know, I started, I got all these skills and, and I was ready to, to jump, you know, right, right. It was just a natural uh, progression moving forward. So, and uh, yeah, jumped in head first and here we go. In the beginning when you were doing, you know, weddings, Facebook, social media advertisements Mm -hmm. and commercials, were you starting out for free or did you already have a clientele um, list where you had a base rate to charge? When I first started out, um, and this is more in the design era of my career, mm-hmm. um, and I still do design work uh, for people every once in a while. Right. Um, but now I try to mainly focus on um, video and photography and everything. So when I first started out, I think you almost have to do some free work when you first start out. Because there's not, if you have no experience and you got nothing to show, you know, you just got to start asking like, hey, can I, can I do that for you? Can I make this for you? You know? Or you just make stuff and give it to people, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my first logo job paid fifty dollars, and I was I was like, I've made it, I've <laughs> arrived, I'm making money, and so uh, yeah. So you got to start somewhere, but I I think it's also important important when you know you've developed the skill mm-hmm. that you put a value to it because it actually ends up hurting the industry. Um, I think if you have people within the industry who are working for dirt cheap and um and it actually creates a stigma of and i think that's how and maybe people disagree with me like like fiverr and what and design crowd and stuff like that those are for like if you're first starting out and just trying to get some experience but they're so big that coming from someone who's worked in the corporate world for a while now Mm -hmm. that there's a stigma of how much this stuff should cost Right. And so people are like, well, I'm not going to pay you more than $100 for a logo. It's like, yeah, but you want me to work 40 hours. Like, you want me to, like, I'm making 40 cents an hour here. 
mm-hmm. if that's how it's going to be. And so um, I think you have to start basically start free just with people, you know, and then start charging a little bit. And as you get that experience, don't be afraid to knock up those, you know, those rates a little bit and, and start being within kind of an industry standard. Right, right. What are your thoughts on the future of video production as camera gear gets cheaper and the ease of entry, you know, decreases? That's definitely a challenge I've seen with, uh, you know, as you're going out uh, looking for work or, or um, even when I've just talked to people, they're like, oh, well, like I can just, you know, do it on my iPhone. And mm. you know what? The iPhone has a really good camera on it. it has, you can create some really great content with just an iPhone. And if you're a professional and you're proud of your craft and you're working on your craft, I don't think you have to be too afraid of the advancement and ease of access because what separates professional from an amateur is the honed craft of knowing how to make good commercials or knowing how to do the right photo. Um, Peter, uh, I think it's Peter McKinnon. Mm-hmm popular youtube guy he actually he said he went out and did a shoot with uh some other uh pro photographers and they went and did the golden gate bridge and the and one thing that he mentioned he's like the pro photographer isn't going to go to the lookout and to take his picture the pro photographer knows to find the best photo not just a good photo and i think that's the big difference between professional and amateur is what it takes to go that extra mile what it takes to make it just that much better you know where most people are only going to be willing to put in a x amount of effort and they're going to let the camera do all the work as possible so um we know that cameras and technology are tools to to tell our stories and to um and to craft our art and i don't think uh, the advancement of those tools should be a scary thing when they just become so um prevalent you know that almost everyone has a hand on it but that's what makes you different you know that's what makes right. this professional different definitely from some previous podcast uh from filmmakers what they're doing to separate themselves you know it includes adding brand strategy you know being part of distribution mm-hmm. um ad management ad creative just definitely putting more effort into the pre-production process to generate a positive ROI for their clients so from my perspective from what I'm seeing is that like clients want to go to creatives where if I own a business and I go to creative that creative is going to help me generate a higher return so um, yes yeah yeah from that what do you what do you think should be the potential of filmmakers from them so I absolutely agree with that. Um, I've, I, I think if you're not um, be able to make creative solutions to business problems, you're, I think you're going to struggle. You know, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a book, I believe it's called, um, oh, The Art of, oh, I'm not going to remember it now. I'll have to look it up, but it's no basically something, <laughs> it's something along, the line, along the lines of uh, business and like, the art of business, basically creative solutions uh, for mm-hmm. businesses. And if you look at any effective um, campaign, or whatever design, the creating a logo or something like that, or creating a commercial, knowing how to stitch cool clips together is one thing, but knowing how to make that have purpose behind it is 
a completely different skill. Mm-hmm. You know, if you you go like, oh, I want to make, you know, so someone comes to me, he's like, oh, we'd like a commercial on this new pen. Well, awesome. I'm going to go shoot this pen and this, you know, cool backgrounds, cool shots. Mm-hmm. And visually, it's very stimulating, let's say. Right. But turns out that the target audience for that pen are, are for people 50 plus right Mm -hmm. and that um and it's geared more towards uh more of a technological side of things where it's more like geared towards maybe an engineer or Mm -hmm. or someone that um needs a a specialized tool or a certain caliber of tool and now you've just made an advertisement for um 20 to 30, 30 year olds on facebook um who wouldn't even begin um, to have the budget for the special pen. So knowing how to make a good video and knowing how to make a video with purpose and that is is solving a, a, a real world business problem or solving um, whatever, uh, quite like just uh, getting to where the audience needs to be mm-hmm. is a completely different skill. And, it's, and that's, that's where people are really willing to pay is not just can you make the video but can you make the video effective definitely you know being making a effective videos definitely understanding the client's target market and seeing what creative engages them so from that you know understanding target market when you were first starting out did you do a lot of code calling to companies where you understood who they were and what their pain points were yeah, and I've I've done it wrong and I've done it right, mm-hmm. and so doing it wrong looks like oh right, I'm going to Google small businesses in my area, and you just look at the first number you see and you give them a call and you say hey how would you like me to make a video for you, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like that is never gonna work. That's mm-hmm. never gonna work. People, you gotta you gotta do your research if you're gonna be cold calling. You gotta you gotta find a business that you you understand their messaging and you research them you check out their products you check out who's interested in their products look at their social medias look at what they're doing already and then you can approach them say let's say it's a it's a knife business okay Mm -hmm. you say hey like i've noticed you have this really great product but i've also noticed that you're not getting a lot of interaction on social media with your posts um you have it, you know, you have this amount of followers. Here's some of your competition. They have X amount of followers. Um, do you think your Do you think your your videos or your photography or whatever marketing campaign they're working on is being effective towards your target audience? And I have a solution. I think that might help. You know, I have I have a, I I I would love to talk to you a little bit and see if there's a a way I can help you um, have more effective social media campaigns. You know. Definitely. That's going to be a much different approach. Approach of, oh, I. The only thing I know about this company is their is their name and number. Versus, mm-hmm. I'm coming to you with a, real solutions, not just I want a guy that makes wants to, you know, suck a few bucks from you, right. and say adios. So, yeah. So there, there's a there's a there's a right way and a wrong way. And so if you're going to do cold calling, which I think everyone does at some point. Uh, you you got to make sure you're you're 
invested into the businesses you're talking to and you're coming at them not with i want your money but with i want to help you right i think that's uh that's an awesome template because first you're listening you're showcasing value that you know that's tangible towards them they can understand how many leads they're getting um how many followers they have but they can also understand their competitors at the same time and it really Mm -hmm. starts a discussion so that approach is much more stronger than calling up a business and saying, Hey, I do video. Do you want video? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're like, well, I already got my nephew doing my video. You know, it's like, and, right. And I did a uh, real estate photography for a while. And when I, and I remember when I first started cold calling, this is when I didn't have a lot of experience. I would mm-hmm. say, Hey, like I'm a, I'm a real estate photographer. And, um, and I'd love to the opportunity to have some of your business. And they're like, well, I take my own photos. And I wouldn't right. have an answer to that. I'm like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll the conversation. <laughs> and I probably called 30 real estate businesses with things along those lines where me. And one thing I didn't realize is that a lot of real estate agencies who answer to a broker and that broker supplies uh, uh, all the photography they need through an agency you know it's it's not knowing that type of those type of things and not doing your research that can really bite you in the butt i see i see have you ever tried a door knocking where you just walk up to like a real estate broker's office no i i have uh i haven't done door knocking um most of what i what i have attempted is uh over the phone or email so right uh i wouldn't say i am an expert uh, salesman and so uh-huh <laughs> and so and that's a skill if you're starting your own business you gotta learn to develop and i'm still developing uh, my ability Definitely. to do that and um and one aspect of starting something new like fathom is you i no matter how much experience you have and maybe this isn't for everyone i'm i should really just speak for myself and not speak broadly but even though i have a lot of experience i develop a imposter syndrome where uh where i'm like all right i want i'm starting this business and when someone asked me like if if you know fathom doesn't have a lot of work behind it yet and so when if i'm going out and selling myself how do i like it's a little nerve-wracking saying like yeah i'm worth x amount of money i see and and uh and that's why for fathom i'm i've I've built the portfolio for it. Mm-hmm. And so when business comes in, I have something to show. And so, yeah, so it's the sales side of things. It's uh, especially if you kind of have an issue with, like I have um, when first starting out, especially earlier in my career of imposter syndrome, where even though you have the skill, you just somehow you don't feel like you belong, you know, right. you feel like you feel like, oh, I haven't earned this yet. Um, and you look around and you see all this talent around you. You're like, do I even belong here? Mm-hmm. And you got to be willing to give yourself the confidence. Like, yes, I do belong here. I know I do good work and it's a matter of getting out and doing it. So I see that's definitely a huge issue. Um, imposter syndrome as if freelancers don't think that they're credible enough to charge this amount or provide mm-hmm. this service because they're comparing themselves to competitors when they should be competing against themselves. Yeah. And you also got to remember, you're not always in the same ballpark, you know? And, and so there's a, there's a balance of being a, a real, like be realistic about where you're at, but don't undersell yourself. Right. And so um, like, 
I wouldn't like if if there is a brand new designer out there and they're like, well, I heard this designer charges $10,000 for a logo. Mm -hmm. And they go like, well, I'm gonna go charge $10,000 for a logo. Right. Well, that might not work out very well because the guy that's charging $10,000 for a logo has owned his own business for 15 years. He's built Mm -hmm. up incredible rapport, incredible work. And you as a brand new designer may not understand um, how to uh, use like real solutions for design, you know, to solve people's problems because you might make a cool logo, but are you making a cool logo that's going to be effective for the business? And that's going to, and like we talked about before that, is going to solve solutions, you know, right. solve problems. And so, yeah, so I wouldn't like, you gotta, you gotta know where you're at, but mm-hmm. don't be afraid to start climbing up that ladder. So, yeah, you know, it's just, it's a balance and it's one I struggle with all the time. And I know a lot of other people struggle with all the time. And so it's very common. Just don't be afraid to fail, get out there start doing like start working start trying if someone says no to you that's not the end of the world if someone says no i don't think you're good enough you know what that's not the end of the world just keep pushing forward 100 percent, 100 percent. another common problem that filmmakers often face is they don't really know when to bring up money and when they bring up money it's kind of they it sometimes feels like an awkward conversation how do you ease money into your sales process so money is definitely an important topic. What I, what I do first is I want to understand what they want. I want to understand what their vision. I want to understand their problem. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's usually one of the first things they ask is like, all right, what problem are we solving? Right. Or, you know, everything you make should have some kind of purpose. Um, and so I'm like, what, and depending on what they're wanting to do, what the scope of it, it is. And so I want to understand as much about the project before I start throwing out a number, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and usually um, a great way to do pricing, if you're scared to put out this certain number, well, don't put out just one number, give them three options, right? Here's like, all right, here's the problem. Here's my solution. And here's three ways we can go about this, uh, about doing this project. If your budget is low, here's, here's this version of the solution mm-hmm. if your budget is kind of in the middle you don't want to spend too much don't want to spend too little it, this is where it's at if money is no object this is what we can do and when you give people options um, generally they're seeing what they could have and what um, and and it gives them a choice because when you throw out one option they're like well now it's either i either go with the project or i don't I see. I see. If you've given out multiple options, because not, you know, if you understand business, you understand that budgets are really important, that people can't, especially small businesses, if that's who you're working for, they have very limited budgets. You know, Mm -hmm. you you can't, you can't give them a cost and then later double it. You know, you got to be very consistent on your, on your budgeting and make sure things cost the way they cost. But normally if you give someone three options, they're going to choose the one in the middle and that's the one you're trying to get them to choose so that's the one that you're actually selling and not that if they pick one of the other two that's a bad thing that's why they're there but you want to give people a choice and and make that project feasible even on a lower budget 
So mm-hmm. eventually you get to the point if someone's only willing to pay you like a hundred bucks for a video or something like that. And you know that, you know, like that's for where I'm at. Like, I just, I don't have time to charge that little for a project. Mm-hmm. Then, then that's great. And you're moving down that path. But when you're starting out, you know, you take the work that you can get and sometimes that starts low budget, but make sure that you're charging enough to cover your costs. Don't go do work and lose money. Right. So, you know, if like, um, one thing I bring up, uh, is cause it's expensive to buy equipment and I don't buy all my equipment. I often, and I, what a lot of people do, you often rent equipment per mm-hmm. project as as equipment's needed. And that's always a conversation to have for cost. And you got to make sure that whatever you're charging, that you're giving that value, that you're get you that what your knowledge and uh, of the process and your feedback and your communication and your ability to interpret um, loose ideas into um, like a real world creative solutions is is going to be part of that value process. Definitely. I think that's a very underrated tip about giving them options because, you know, after you understand what your prospect wants and what problem you're solving, you give them three different options. Whereas if you were just to throw out a price, the only thing they could do is agree to it or just say no. But when you give three options, it's harder for them to deny because, you know, their budget fits one of the solutions. Yeah, exactly. And, and one thing when you're building out these options, and, and, and this could be a whole conversation, mm-hmm. um, this is especially something I ran into when I did design work, like logos, is someone says, oh, I say, all right, I'll do this logo for, let's say it was $700. Like, I'll create right. this logo for $700. But you don't build into that cost the exact amount of, like, the exact amount of work and what's going to go into the project like and what this project includes is i'm going to give you uh, i'm going to give you seven sketches of logos or however many you want to do Mm -hmm. uh, for you to look at so we can choose a direction we'll pick three and develop those into a little bit higher of a fidelity uh uh uh, just build into our higher fidelity versions of those and then we can take those and then you can pick one of them and then we'll move forward with that and then within that we'll do three revisions and that way there's a there's it's not an open-ended project because what happens especially if you charge a flat fee and not everyone does some people charge hourly Mm -hmm. but um, if you charge a flat fee like i like to do um if you don't create those boundaries then you end up with an open-ended project and a client who knows everything they don't want, but doesn't know what they do want. And it's a never ending road. And I've mm-hmm. had that happen before. It's a very, it's very tough to deal with. I see. So it seems like you're setting boundaries in the beginning, such as three X revisions to prevent endless revisions. In the yeah. And you can say and anything you want on top of this, we'll, we'll, we'll charge like a little, uh, we'll charge extra for or something like that. Right. Cause what I've had happen is, for um, a video commercial I did is they told me their vision. They told me what they wanted and I got it. We discussed it. Everyone's on the same page. I went out, did two days of shooting, you know, a few days of editing. And it was only like a minute and a half video, mm-hmm. pretty short. And when I gave them the video, they were like, Oh, well, this isn't what we wanted. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, this is what we discussed, and we were on the same page. Like, and I showed him like, look at the edit. Here's what we discussed, and here it is in the video. That you know, I followed the game plan and uh, what we discussed. I didn't throw you into curveballs. What sometimes just happens is that things look different in people's heads than what they think it's going to look like in real life. And part of that pre-process before you start a project is is another skill you got to develop is making sure you get on that same, you get on the same page and you were getting those, you put those boundaries in because those mm-hmm. boundaries often help clients make decisions too. Right. So now if you totally miss the mark, you know, you guys discuss one thing and you decide to take your own creative flair and you go out on a limb and it drops, you might, you know, you might have to absorb that a little bit, but um, every nine, I feel like 90% of the work sometimes comes in before you even turn a camera on. Definitely. Definitely. And and so, which is, that's the the most exciting part for me, but um, making sure that you're doing the project correctly in a way that's going to solve the client's problems and it fits in the parameters of what they're asking for and what they're asking for matches the budget that or matches like what you've told them it was going to cost. And that cost is still profitable for you. Like you got to make sure all that stuff fits uh, that all that stuff is there um, when you, before you start these projects, because you can world, you can end up in just a big headache. Definitely. Definitely. Setting boundaries in the beginning, super crucial. You know, we're nearing the end of the podcast, but I'd love to ask you, what's the next stage for Fathom Media production? Well, the next stage is always hard to tell. Um, we're building right now. We're, uh, you know, we're taking on work and, you know, it's just the sky's the limit. And that's part of why Fathom has its name um, is that, you know, possibilities are fathomless. We, you, you, it, you can't fathom what's going to happen in the future. And I love mm-hmm. the idea of just voyaging on into the void don't know where you're going to go or where you're going to end up but all you know is you're going to keep pushing forward and keep working hard and that's what we're doing here at fathom and uh you know we're we're not we don't have one track that we're gonna say like this is where we're going and we won't go any other direction you know who knows Mm -hmm. where we're going to end up but that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of creative work is sometimes you start one place you end up in another Definitely, definitely. I appreciate you um, telling your story, telling about how your business works. Again, you can find your business on fathommediaproduction.com or on Instagram, Fathom Media Production. Blake, thank you again for joining us and have a great day. Thank you so much. You too.